Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining me for another episode of the Typical Skeptic Podcast. I have with me another amazing guest today, uh, all the way from Australia. Um, I, I heard about this lady from another podcast she did, but the, the interesting thing that what she does is she ties in the ET contact experience in with the near-death experience, which not many people are doing. And I think that's that's interesting. And I think that's something that we haven't tackled yet on this show. And I think it's something that we need to talk about. Um, let me tell you about it. Her name is Cheryl Gottschall. And as I said, she's from Australia. And she's had a lifelong interest in the paranormal, which began in her teenage years. But in 1980, she began seriously studying the phenomenon of near-death experiences. Soon after, she joined the International Association for Near-Death Studies and in 1995, hosted by Dr. Ken Ring for the Brisbane leg of the Australian tour where he presented research for the future book, Mindsight, Near-Death and Out-of-Body Experiences in the Blind. She also developed a deep interest in the UFO UFO phenomenon. Catalyzed, catalyzed by her father-in-law's interest after he attended a UFO meeting hosted by George Adamski in the 1960s. In 1988, she joined the Brisbane-based association UFO Research Queensland and in three years later took off the role as president. In 1992, Cheryl and her late husband, Dr. Martin Godshaw, established the first Close Encounter Support Group in Brisbane and after Bud Hopkins' Australian tour, Dr. Ring's book on the Omega Project, Near-Death Experiences, UFO Counters, and Mind at Large ignited Cheryl's interest in connections between UFOs and NDEs, which was now being corroborated by witnesses she was interviewing. Some years later, in 2012, she established a monthly afterlife discussions group where she continues to find links between UFOs and the afterlife stories shared. Cheryl was also the Australian representative for the recently launched International Coalition for Extraterrestrial Research, ICER, the truly first global or international UFO organization that considers we now need to prepare for the confirmation that Earth is being engaged by non-human intelligence. ICER aims to take this discussion to the highest levels of governance, including United Nations. Cheryl's had many paranormal experiences herself, including an NDE, Biolocation experience, out-of-body experiences, UFO sightings, a close encounter with non-human intelligence, poltergeist activity, automatic writing, and other unexplained phenomena, which all propel her to continue her quest to understand what it means to be human. Cheryl's research bridges the afterlife and UFO subjects and wanting to understand the UFO phenomenon more deeply to let her to train in shamanism, which she now teaches. She speaks regularly at UFO phenomenon and afterlife public meetings, conferences, community groups, schools, libraries, and it's given hundreds of media interviews. Cheryl, thank you for joining me. How are you? <laughs> thank you. That was a very long introduction. <laughs> um, you, have, you have really esteemed credentials. I, I'm, I'll give you a lot of credit. Wow. I'm, 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 I'm in um, great company. Um, so what, what, what do you think was the catalyst? What would you say, if you, to start off the discussion, what would you say was your catalyst for, for, for either subject, the UFOs or the NDEs before you started putting them together? Um, well, a couple of things. First of all, when I was a child, I used, just naturally looked out at the stars and wondered if there are other people out there wondering the same things as me, you know, possibly looking back at Earth and thinking, is there life out there, you know, other life? Uh, so I've always had like a, a predisposition to think like that. Um, and then um, 
I met my first husband who's, um, I mean, I've always had an interest in the paranormal. Let me start there. From the about 15 when I started a, a job and I could earn my own money, um, part-time job, I was buying a magazine here in Australia called the Australasian Post, which had a lot of paranormal experiences published in it. And that really fueled my interest. It was that was like a catalyst for that. But then I met my <clears throat> my first husband, and um, and I and obviously my future father-in-law through him, who'd um, been to see George Adamski in Brisbane. So, um, and they were Italian immigrants. So we used to get together every week and have a family meal and talk aliens, UFOs, contact. Mm-hmm. What's life after contact going to be like? And all, this is back in the eighties, right? So, uh, and, you know, who should speak for planet Earth? We were already having those conversations then. So, um, and then that just led me to UFO Research Queensland. But there was one thing in the, um, one particular thing too, was in the early 80s, um, we started a, um, my first husband and I started a quest, I guess, like a lot of people go on a quest in life to understand God and the greater things in life. And we undertook a, a home Bible study and um, that went on for three years every week. We didn't join the organisation, but um, we started. I started to look at these um, scriptures in the Bible and the descriptions of angelic visitation. And I started to think this sounds more like modern day close encounter reports than, than what I might think are angels, you know, so people are becoming paralysed, dropping to the ground, these bright lights appearing. And I'm thinking, no, there's more to this. So I started looking into um, other religions and what was the basis of them forming. And in most cases, um, world religions are based around an individual having a supernatural experience. So, um, and that just led on to other things. So it's it's a bit of a mishmash, but it was a lot of things. When when you, have you, I want to ask you, have you looked into uh, ancient aliens as far as like, well, you, me, I'm familiar with a, lot, a couple of different cultures, but um, I've heard a little bit about uh, Australia. I'm not, I'm not too familiar with, but I've heard there's something carved in the rocks there that it's Pleiadian. And then um, I know about the Anunnaki tales. Obviously, I have an Anunnaki genealogy table on my wall. That, so, and but then they say that every um, every every um, culture has a um, tale that we were started by ET civilizations. What are your thoughts on that? And then what is the Australian tradition? Well, um, there are cases in Australia where um, researchers have talked to our Indigenous people and they, they're very aware of um, sky beings, let's say like that. And there's a gentleman here called Rex Gilroy who's gathered a lot of um cases from Aboriginal people and published it in a book called UFO Dreaming and um, I haven't quite finished it but uh, there are there are stories or legends let's put it that way of um, uh, there's one in particular of a great giant egg that came to earth and cracked open and people came out of it and that was where some of the Aboriginal people came from so yeah it's it's fairly typical it's it's in it's in a lot of uh, indigenous mythology, like you say, it, it is. It's it's very strange, and it makes me think. I think you were right up the alley when you said that these religions were. You know, I think they took, like, you know, like I know for ex- for a fact, like that the the, 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 um, 
the Catholic and the Judaism, they borrowed from the Sumerian scriptures. Like that, you know, for me, analyzing the Sumerian scriptures and then analyzing the Bible, you know, like they took the name of Atrahasis and they renamed it Noah. And, you know, they did that with a, a couple of the stories. But that's not to say that there isn't, and I try to import, because I have a lot of people who are, uh, are, are totally against Christianity right now because, you know, uh, you know, for one way or another, religion rubbed them the wrong way. And I can understand that. And I'm not religious myself. I'm spiritual. I believe that there's maybe a creator or God or maybe a source energy or like the Native Americans say, the great spirit. And, you know, I think we all go back to that great spirit. But what I was saying was, um, where was I going with that? Um, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, um, um, anyway, um, I, I think we all have ET, ET, ancient extraterrestrial contact. And um, anyway, so back to you. Um, is that kind of what sparked your interest was the, 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 the ancient scriptures or the um, yeah, well, that's that was a, a catalyst. Um, oh, and then you said the family dinners and stuff like that, right? Yeah, yeah. What, what, yeah. what took you to the um, the the intersecting once you got involved in both uh, intersecting the UFOs with the uh, near death experiences? Yeah, sure. Well, actually, when Dr. Ken Ring was touring here, I hosted him um, at twice, actually, twice. Oh no! Um, and can you can you explain who Dr. Ken Ring is for anybody who might not know? Ken Ring is one of the co-founders of the International Association of Near Death Studies um, over in the states. Um, he's getting on in years now, but I think he was touring here when he was in his late fifties or something. It was it was in nineteen ninety six? I think it was, and. Um, He's uh, done a lot of research into near-death experiences, but the crossover came was when I got to know him, I looked into other things that he had written and his book, The Amiga Project, UFOs, NDEs and Mind at Large, really, really captured my interest. And anyway, soon after that, I had, I had opened a, um, a Centre for Growth and Personal Development, a little bit um, alternative and I hosted an evening about near-death experiences and a woman came along uh, who told me about her experience and she, she had lost a child and she was very distraught. She'd been to the funeral. Um, she came home, she laid down on a bed and she could feel her heart rate slowing very and getting very, very low. The next thing she knew, she was out of her body. She was walking with the soul of her deceased daughter uh, along this windy path, got to the point of no return where she was met by a spirit being uh, and the spirit being said, you can't come past here, but I'll take your daughter now. And so uh, which mu with much angst, she handed her daughter over to the spirit being and the spirit being, you know, she was, she was fine, I'll look after her. So as she was walking back, uh, coming, coming back on this winding path, she described seeing a classic spaceship and the next thing she knows, she's inside the spaceship and she is uh, having some sort of examination. Now, remember, this is in an out-of-body state, okay, which was the first time I'd ever heard anything like that. And, um, and then she was released. She left the ship. 
went back and uh, next thing to know, she's waking up on her bed. So that really, I, I didn't know what to do with that because no one was talking about those types of cases in the mid-90s. So I just put it on the shelf for a very long time. But then I met other people. Um, and one was the case of a woman who um, spoke to my afterlife group, actually, a couple of years ago. And when she was, she was in her the 60s then, but when she was 12, um, she was, uh, she had problems with her tonsils so that she had, went into surgery, had them removed. And the anesthesiologist had somehow mixed up the, uh, the drugs that they were giving her and she couldn't breathe. So she, she basically died on the table. Then she left her body and she found herself traveling through a long tunnel um, with streams of people going in, following in a line, going towards a light at the end of this tunnel. But the interesting thing with her experience was there was also a stream of people coming back from the light. And in uh, that stream of people was this uh, little person who she thought was a deformed child at the time. And she remembers thinking, oh, the poor little thing, I feel so sorry for it because it looked very emaciated, very skinny, um, in amongst all these humans. Anyway, years later, when she tracked down UFO Research Queensland, um, she came to our meeting, and she walked in the door, and at the time someone was talking about these grey aliens, and she looked up on the screen and she saw one of these grey aliens. And she said to me later, I walked in there, I saw that, and she said that was exactly what I had seen during my near-death experience when I was 12, which really opened, is a Pandora's box when you think about that. Um, first of all, there's, you know, people coming back from this stream of light and an alien in there or what looked like an alien to her, a grey alien. I mean, what do you do with that, right? Questions everything we really know about the afterlife and what we're told. You know, even classic Western near-death experience stories, they don't, and they none of them include stories of aliens. And I think what you're saying is so groundbreaking because I, I've, I've, I'd love to hear, it's so interesting. It's, mm. it, it really is. I, I've, I've never heard the, these experiences and they, they're, they're awesome because um, it really makes me think, what is this afterlife that we experience? Why do we reincarnate if we do? And, and what, what is the, what's up with that? You know what I mean? Like, what, what are your thoughts? Like, yeah, well, it, in my own, from my own interest, I'm very interested in how the possibility of extraterrestrials might be involved in, uh, our soul evolution or are they just sort of intermingled with it or um, because there's there's a couple of other cases too where there was a woman who was uh, oh gosh it was back in the um, early uh, late 80s maybe can't quite remember but she was camp uh, she and her husband had gone on a trip they were doing um, fossil king for gems and the car broke down they had to find a place to stay they found a um, like a caravan park and it had the had these um, tents already set up so they booked one of those they stayed the night till they could get the car fixed the next day that night she's laying in the inside the tent and the flaps pull back and she's looking up at the sky and she sees this object appear a very bright light and out of, out of it comes these crisscross boomerang shaped uh, things and they're flying out of this larger crowd, what looks like a large light. And she thought, gosh, what's that? And the next thing she knows, 
she's in this different scene. And in the scene, she's standing there and a, um, what could you say, a, um, a flat, an, a vehicle with no roof on it, but very sleek um, and oval, oval in shape with a seating in the front and a seating in the back with two, four beings in there, human looking, very attractive. And one of them's holding a child and it pulls up in front of her and they communicate to her that this child that they're holding is the soul of her unborn son. <clears throat> of course, she wanted to hold it. Uh, and there was interaction and all sorts of things going on. Uh, but the point is that they told her this is the soul of her unborn son. And she looked at the child, beautiful child, um, gives the child back. Also, there was um, she was sprayed down before they gave her the child with something that could have been antibacterial, who knows, or antiviral, uh, gives the child back and then um, wakes up in the tent or comes to normal consciousness in the tent uh, and thought to herself, well, if there are UFOs, I've just seen them. <laughs> I've seen one. Uh, and I don't know who these beings were. And, um, and when later on when she had a child, it was exactly the same child looked exactly the same as what she was shown in that experience. So it makes, people, makes me wonder, like, again, how are they involved in that sort of process? Yeah, it, it makes me question, um, are they in the same dimension? Do they control the dimension? Or can they just access that dimension if they need to? And then on a deeper level, are they in control of our souls on some nefarious level or are they in controls of our souls on a benevolent level or just seeing our soul progression be so to take us out of our maybe if you look at humanity we're in like very warlike ways and mm. um you know we, we we're always in war and conflict you know so maybe we need to spiritually evolve and maybe they're here for that so i know there's a lot to unpack in what i just said but what are your what are your thoughts well, uh, first of all, let me just back that up a bit because, um, you know, you, you raised the question of, you know, are they malevolent or benevolent? And there's, uh, there could be um, a wide variety of beings that populate out there are unseen realms as are in various traditions. And some of those may be benevolent and some of them may be malevolent because some of them present themselves as angels and, uh, and others don't. Um, and there is a history uh, of a tradition of um, beings that protect us uh, in our, after we die, uh, as our soul travels along the path, the um, the Death Walkers path, where uh, to make sure that we actually get to where we need to go after we die. So there's there's various stories like that in different traditions too. So it's hard to say. It really is hard to say. Yeah, and then what about does it you you and then from your paranormal research, do you still think there are like earthbound spirits, like ghosts, like or do, do you do you do you still or do you think we're all the earthbound spirits? Like once we do, we just cross into this other dimension. Well, I know and, what you're saying. Yeah, um, you know what I mean because it it seems like we could all just exist in another. Here's a good example. Like I interviewed a guy his name's paul you know he's a paranormal expert and he he did a uh, uh this is a little bit off track but it, it kind of makes sense you'll see where i'm going he, he he was talking about the multiverse and 
how there could be parallel universes. And he said that um, when he would be in these places called flap areas, he could talk to people in a parallel universe. And he said um, when he would talk to people, he would have to get in a meditative state and he would start talking to people in another universe. He felt like it and he would get answers in his mind. And these people would tell him that it was no problem for them to talk to the neighbors. And we were the neighbors. But for some reason, we weren't able to readily access that, us being like earthbound souls or whatever you want to call us. But that them being from another dimension were able or alternate universe were able to access that. So maybe when we transition to as uh spirits maybe we're all spirits or something i I, i'm it's confusing you know what i mean i don't know you know what i think is very interesting are peak and darian experiences and that's where we're interacting with someone that we don't know is actually dead um and there's a great case that we recorded um we went to an afterlife conference about i don't know six or seven years ago Uh, in Sydney, and um, we were speaking to a paranormal researcher investigator there, and she had had been to a place, to a hotel on a place called The Rocks at Sydney Harbour, and they had been ghost hunting, basically. And, um, oh, sorry, that's where they went after the ghost hunt. That's right, sorry. Anyway, um, they... um, a gentleman came through who was the owner of the property and he um, and uh, this lady said, oh, look, there's, there's so-and-so. Isn't it nice that he actually came to see us and see what we're doing and catch up, et cetera, and he's walking through and he's saying hi and he shook someone's hand and blah, 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 and then he left. Anyway, it turns out later that they're in the car park packing up and they have this real, someone tells her that um, she said, isn't it nice that he came and, and saw us all? Uh, and she said the name, I can't remember who it was. And he said, no, no, he's dead. And she said, no, he just walked through our group and said hello and shook someone's hand and et cetera. And, she, and he said, no, he died. And so she found out um, um, from the staff who worked there that he had actually died two years previously on the anniversary was that night when he had appeared. Now, that's a peak and Darian experience where this dead person is interacting with the living. Do they come through from another, like, is that like a bleed through from yeah. other realm? No, I don't know. I'm just saying that. I'm, I, I, that's, wow. That's, it's, it's like, I, I don't know. You know, <laughs> this is so interesting. You're really making me, um, you're really making my mind work. Like, it, it, because uh, these are all things like that, that we think we have, we, we, I, I, I want to say we think we have the answers, but we, we don't, we, we don't have nearly any answers. I think we're so far behind that we'll, we'll never figure out until we die. And we may not even figure it out then because whoever is in control of this realm, if, if that's what it is, if it's either God or if it's extraterrestrials, it, it's, it, it could be, I mean, did you ever go, did you ever um, think about that? the simulation or hologram theory too? Have you ever heard, have you ever, do you prescribe to that or do you, do you ever give it much thought? Can you, can you be specific about what you mean by that? That, that we're living in a simulation and, and all that. And that, 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 that like that, that, that 
if you if you if we're living in like a computer simulation and that like um they were that were programmed have you ever heard of this yeah you mean like the matrix <laughs> yeah yeah but i i had a girl on my show the other day she was really getting into it she was like she was tripping me out you know because like i i i, I like to think that things are more natural i like to i like to think that things are more I like to think that we're on a natural biological soul progression. You know what I mean? Like I, I, that's just kind of like what I resonate with, you know? Um, mm. I, I don't know. Um, you know, I'm not sure, but you're right. Like there's all these things that happen that are, that are very um, weird. Um, so have you, when you, when you talk to people in your experience or groups, do they, um, do you have many people that cross uh, that have now still have, uh, near-death experiences and ET experiences and the crossover still? Um, I haven't had any recently. The last case like that was about two years ago. So, um, <clears throat> but that's not to say that they're not around. I've, I mean, for me personally, I'm talking about, but um, there are other people who are writing and are writing about that. One particular woman is someone called Susie Hansen, who's in New Zealand, and she's written a book about um, uh, the dual soul connection. Um, and again, Susie's had her own experience where she was taken on board a craft and um, she was this blue ball of, of light, which is emanating, was brought into the room by these little greys and inserted into uh, her abdomen. And she was told that that was the soul of her unborn son. So, you know, there are, there are these cases around. Um, there's not a huge amount of people talking about this crossover. I find it, I found it hard to find other people too, but I'm hoping that people will, when we talk about it, the more people will start, you know, um, coming forward with these types of experiences because it actually blows up and blows open the whole near-death, afterlife and UFO phenomenon all, you know, all at once because the things we thought we know may actually not be, you know, who, who, who ETs are, where they come from, why they're here or who the spirit beings are, or spirit guides, et cetera, who they are, and what their role they're playing in our life, that whole story could be blown up. Yes, I, I totally agree. And I, I'd love to, I wish there was a way that we, we uh, I wish there was a way we knew more. You know, I, I, I just, I would just love to know who the ETs are that are, who are visiting Earth, who are controlling this, this, whatever it is, a realm or, you know, and, and I mean, like, what are your thoughts on reincarnation? Do you think that that's like a reality? I, yeah, I think that's, you know, I've sort of blown in and, you know, gone hot and cold with reincarnation over the years. Um, I sort of, I was born believing in reincarnation. I don't know where that came from. For a long time, I believed it. My family didn't influence me. Then they're not in, didn't believe that at all. Um, but then I did, um, I did my hypnosis training and I sort of came to understand the power of the human mind and how we can, you know, doing past life regressions and things like that and how the mind can create these fabulous, fabulously intricate scenarios that somehow mimic our, our uh, ordinary life, right? Um, <clears throat> so I sort of went off the idea of reincarnation for a while. But then um, I read the work of... Um, there's a book called Old Soul, and I think it, it's in there that talks about the work of, uh, oh, gosh, I can't remember his name now, um, 
the doctor who's now who's now died some years ago in the 80s i think and jim tucker took over his work i think where he had collected uh, stories from children who were reporting memories from uh, previous lives and he had collected um uh he was studying the body marks birth marks on people and how they related to their memories of having another life and how they had actually died for example someone was um <clears throat> was shot and they were born with um uh, like you know um birthmarks on their chest like someone had you know blasted them uh deformities on the the toes of uh, someone who uh, had a memory of losing their toes over a train line um all different things like that i mean I don't know. It's very interesting, though, and I think it's certainly something that I wish a lot more people would look into. Those 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 kids, those reincarnation cases of the kids, really hit me too. I I know what you're saying because you'll you'll hear a three or four year old kid talk about how he was a World War Two. I heard a story here in the United States where a kid said he was a you know a fighter pilot in World War Two, and he mm -hmm. named like the ship he was on, and he named the you know what kind of plane he flew and and then they said that these kids like start to forget around stage four for some reason it shuts off and, and then they forget like and they leave that old personality behind if that's if it is reincarnation you know they seem to leave it behind that uh, around that age i don't know why you know maybe that's when the old the soul finally leaves the body and transitions to the new one that i that's the only thing I could think of. The question for me with reincarnation is um, <clears throat> with these types of memories, are we looking at um, some as yet unknown ability by certain people who have this, uh, this um, I heard Dean Radin speaking the other day, calling it anomaly cognition, uh, where studies have been done on people who actually, you know, they're predisposed. I mean, I've found that there are encounter prone personalities who have us personality types who are prone to have these types of experiences um so you know i don't know i i think the whole idea of reincarnation is very interesting i'm certainly open to it and um i think that those children having those memories is probably very good um uh, i wouldn't say scientific evidence but it's very strong suggestive evidence that something like that is going on um but um, you know, whether it's accurate or not, I don't know. And then they say, I think you might have just mentioned this, but they say with, human, with hypnosis, like suggestive memories can be brought up. Do you believe in that? Or do you believe that with hypnosis, you can guide someone correctly and it can be done the right way? And pass, or do you even do past life regression or what, what do you? How do you use, what do you use hypnosis for just to relieve, relieve ET contact experiences? Yeah, I, I have uh, done past life regressions and I have done uh, memory for memory recall for people who have close encounters. Um, the thing I find that with uh, regressions is that you have to do it in a specific way. It has to be forensic hypnosis using those techniques, not therapeutic hypnosis. There is a big difference. So even suggest asking a question like um, something like um, what happens next, right? If you're trying to do the most objective uh, non-leading questioning, 
uh, even asking the question, well, what happened next implies that something did happen next. So even that is slightly leading. So it's, you have to be very careful uh, and use the, the forensic style um, hypnosis techniques when working with memory recall. But yeah. I think with, um, with reincarnation, um, though, uh, if, you could, if they have information, if they can supply information that can be corroborated, that's another step forward. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I, I was talking, I think you'll find this interesting. I was talking to Daryl Sims one time, um, and he, he, they call him the alien hunter over here in the United States. He's a, he, 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 uh, he, he does a lot of hypnotic regressions and stuff. And he, I asked him, I asked him about screen memories because I was like, you know, a lot of times the screen memories put in and he was like, would you like to know how to get past the screen memory? And I was like, yeah. I was like, how do you get past the screen memory? He said, you get them to tell the retell their story backwards. He's like, the memory blocks are put in the front of the brain. I don't know if, if you could, if that resonates with you or if it, that makes sense or what would you say to that? Is that, is yours? Yeah. I think that makes sense actually. Well, that's, well, that's a, that's a technique to try. put it that way. Yeah, for sure. I've never had anyone, and I'm not talking like I've done, I've regressed thousands of people. I haven't because it's just not that many people who come forward. Um, yeah. But um, the people that I have, have, have not had any sort of blocks, put it that way. Yeah. Oh, so okay. there didn't seem to be any screen memory to get around. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> well, can I ask you what happened with your near-death experience, your, your own personal near-death experience? Yeah, sure. I I had been unill, unill, unwell for um, ten years, had a chronic illness. During that time, uh, it was about nine again, about ninety six, I think it was. Uh, yep, and um, uh, there was three years of ac acute illness, and like many people who have a chronic illness, you try many different modalities to heal. Done all the traditional health stuff. Um, did alternative medicine in a last ditch attempt I went to see a hands-on healer and I think a lot of people in my situation do that sort of thing had some sort of a hands-on treatment came home and laid down on the couch and while I was lying there um, I could feel my heart rate getting lower and lower and slower and slower and every time I got to a point where every time my heart beat um, it was like I'd, I had um uh, I'm trying to think of the word, sprung a leak in, on, oh the my inside, God. on the inside of my elbow, but energetically. So every time my heart beat, um, this spurt of energy was coming out of my inside of my elbow. Got to a point, uh, and I guess this might be a natural process of dying, I don't know, but I got to a point where I started to see other things. And um, something came in through the wall of my living area and it was like um, an ice cream cone on its side, a lot thicker at one end, rounder at one end, bigger and smaller at the other end. But wow. it was very malleable, okay? So it was like that. And it came in and then the large end opened up and spread out like that and it was swirling, it started to swirl. And there was a really strong gravitational pull that was starting to pull me not my physical body, but pull me into it. By this time, I'd split off from my body. 
I felt like a huge malevolence about allowing myself to be dragged into that swirling vortex. And the my non-physical self was clutching to the back of the um, sofa that I was laying on. And um, that went on for some time. And I felt if I let go and went into that, I wouldn't be coming back. Um, so, and I was fighting it off basically. And then that went on for a while. And then, oh, and then a ticker tape went through my mind. And I think that's the right word, but it's where, um, you know, the old uh, military tele telegram telegraph uh, things where the, the thin piece of paper would come through and the information would be on it. That went through my mind and it was filled with my daughter's name. And as soon as I saw that, it, I just snapped out of it. Everything stopped. I was back in my physical body and, uh, and shocked, basically, wondering what the heck just happened, right? Um, so I didn't have the full-blown going down a tunnel and seeing spirit guides or anything like that. But my experience was quite distressing. And at the time, people weren't talking about distressing near-death experiences. Then it was all love and light. Well, uh, And I've since um, read a lot of other people who've had distressing near-death or death-type experiences. Um, do, do, you, do you have an idea? Do you think this might have been some like kind of malevolent evil? Like, uh, I know that might be going a little bit speculative, but... Um, like like a malevolent ET force, or do you think this was just death coming at you? Um, it's that's an interesting question. I'd previously had an experience. Um, I had a contact, close encounter experience too, where I had the same feeling of malevolence, and uh, it was where I was. It was I'd woken up at three in the morning, um, and between my side of the bed and the window or the wall was about a meter and in that space appeared these three small gray aliens and I don't know what woke me up I just woke up um, I couldn't see their face but because the street light was outside and so I was just seeing them silhouetted uh, in front of the street light and uh, but I do have a memory of these big eyes so I'm, I'm not sure where that comes from where it fits in but anyway um, and I, it was like it was akin to waking up and uh, like a huge Bengal tiger just staring at you, like you can imagine the terror. Yeah. So the, I was terror struck basically. And it was a really strong sense of malevolence. And I did a very strange thing. I pulled the sheet up over my head and I started saying the Lord's Prayer, which I hadn't said since I was at Sunday school as a kid. So I didn't even know that I still knew it. Um, so this was when I was in my uh, around 30 years old. Okay. And um, so, yeah, and, and then I forgot about it till the next day. And then something, well, about lunchtime the next day, something happened, my, my, something triggered my memory and it all came flooding back and I went, oh, my God, that happened last night. What on earth was that? But it was the same sense of malevolence with that experience as it was with this twirling vortex wanting to suck me in. I don't know why I felt like that. What, what if you're, uh, what, what if you're, have you looked into these cases of people who've had um, uh, bad near-death experiences? Because I've never, I'm not that advanced in near-death experiences, to be honest with you. I've only heard the love and light cases or just like the cases of, you know, people being able to pop out of their body. I mean, 
I've heard, don't get me wrong, I've heard people's traumatic stories of almost dying and then they pop out of their body. It seems like at that moment of them almost dying, they pop out of their body. It's almost like a safe protection our bodies have. It seems like it's the near death experience. It seems like it, it seems like right before they're about to die, they pop or right about their before, excuse me, right before they're about to experience dramatic pain, they pop out of their body. I've heard these kind of stories. And then uh, they, they, they don't have a lot of love and light, but they're just able to see their bodies, see things around them, uh, you know, this, uh, that, and, and they're able to recall things. But, and then, and then I guess I have heard some love and light cases too, but you're, you're talking, you've heard some stuff on the, the way other end of the spectrum. Yeah, very much so. And distressing near-death experiences really haven't, hadn't, didn't come to light until recent years, um, probably the last 10 years. And before that, people weren't talking about them because all you did hear was about these positive, uplifting experiences. But I think what you're underlying, what you just said, is the question of why do some people have positive experiences and some people have frightening experiences? And it's the same as why do some people have alien abductions and why do some people have positive encounters? I don't know. It's very you think it's in the mind. You think our minds are that powerful or our consciousness? And that, then there's another separate conversation. Like where, where does consciousness come from and where's the mind? Because we don't know that either. Right. I mean, some people think that our minds create consciousness. Like you see those big scientific doctors on TV. Cause I like to think the consciousness comes from somewhere like God, and that our brain's just the receptor for it. But then you see those big fancy scientists on TV, they think that the brain creates consciousness. I don't know, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I could be, because I, I, I don't know anything. I, I, I mean, I, I know about as much as the next guy, but you know, I just, it, it, it's a lot to think. It's, it's, it, you're right. It's yeah. like, it, it, it goes back to why do people like have good and bad experiences? And that makes me think our minds create it because. It, that would be the only logical explanation, right? Or no? Or it could be that that um, we should take it at face value and it is what it is as, as it presents itself. No one talks about that. You know, they they, they try and find, other, um, I, you know, reasons why the, to explain these things, but maybe they just are what they are. It's a bit like alien abduction experiences. People have said things like, oh, it's sleep paralysis, uh, it's people making stuff up in their minds, you know. Well, maybe it, there really are alien abduction experiences. Have you ever thought of that, people? You know, so maybe there really are distressing NDEs. I don't, you know, maybe, the, I don't know. Mine wasn't, I didn't go to the bowels of hell, put it that way, like some people have. Um, uh, I, I just felt, I just sensed this uh, malevolence. Yeah. And, I trust myself, you know. I've lived in this body for a long time and I trust my my gut feeling and my responses and my intuition. And um, it, I just had a feeling it wasn't great, you know. Um, yeah. So, and I think we have to trust ourselves more when we're trying to interpret these things because we lived through them. Other people didn't. We never, you never know. It could have been something like equivalent to like a, a demon or something like that, like trying to, that had the ability to take your energy or something like that you know you never know i mean we could sit here all day and come up with ideas we we we, we never it's 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 pretty amazing though i mean 
you've re- you've really brought up some stuff today. Um, uh, oh, I want to ask you two more questions before we go. So I think some really cool questions. Um, two two questions. What kind of paranormal creatures are there? Are there people reporting in Australia? And what kind of ET uh, ET uh, visitors are they reporting in Australia? So I know that's two different questions, but if you could, like, I, because I like, go in America, I'm, I, we have our cryptids here that are like dog man, which is like a werewolf. You know, we have um, uh, Mothman, which is like a winged humanoid. Um, we have, I'm trying to think, we have uh, Black Panthers, which, you know, those are in the, um, those are in the zoo, but they're in, they're showing up in places that aren't in the zoo. We have the, the large uh, birds that, that, you know, the, the, the um, I can't remember what thunderbirds they call them, but these are the things that are being reported here. I was wondering if it was any different in Australia and, and what kind of re- in paranormal creatures people were reporting and what kind of ET encounters people were reporting. Sure. Uh, very similar. Um, I think these are worldwide phenomena. We get the Black Panthers, The um, we have the Yowies, I think you call them Bigfoot. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, yeah, ghosts. Um, um, we certainly have the aliens. Uh, we have a wide variety. There was one difference with the aliens um, in that um, when we were getting a lot of information out of America <clears throat> during the 90s about alien abductions, people were only reporting the little greys that we were hearing about here. Um, but in Australia, I was receiving a wide variety of reports of beings that were um, people were seeing. So um, from they've since come out in uh, I've heard from other countries too, but there were like little little gold uh, beings which were much re- more rare. Uh, there were beings which had um, skin like dolphins and they were had a slightly blue tinge to them. Um, lots of human, uh, human, con- humanoid looking, um, sorry, human looking ETs. Um, um, but then we were getting the greys as well, but it was, it was more varied, put it that way. But I think that might also be because I wasn't publicly predisposed to just those types of beings, where it, and there were some researchers here who were. So I think people are self-selecting, you know, witnesses are self-selecting and who they'll talk to about things. Um, so that me representing UFO Research Queensland, the UFO organisation, um, pe- you know, people were, were reporting all everything, you know. I've noticed so, that with Mary um, too. When I talked to Mary yeah, Rodwell. I think it's very similar. She, 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 taught, she, it seems like Australia, you guys get a, a wide variety of beings, like more, more than, than we do. Maybe, maybe it's just the people I've talked to because it, when I talk to Mary, she talks to, about, she, she gets people who see these light paint, light beings and all, all kinds of things. And, um, and the star children, you know, and stuff like that, like that she, uh, teaches and stuff like that. Like, um, you guys get a, a, a wider variety than us. It seems like, I, I, I don't know. That's what it seems like to me. And maybe you guys are more open up to it. I think like than Americans for some reason, mm. like, and I don't know what that says about our culture, like here in America, like that, that maybe Americans aren't as open to it. Um, it I, you never know. Mm. I don't know. Um, I, I don't, I, I don't know, but, yeah. um, 
this was amazing stuff. Like I, I'd like to have you on again sometime if you if you if you consider doing it again in the future to talk and continue about the studies if more stuff evidence comes out, you know. Yeah, um, sure. Do you want to tell so. everybody where they can find your, you or any books you have or research or any websites or anything? Sure, just go to, um, we're on uh, it, the website, just look up UFO Research Queensland. Uh, the same thing on Facebook, we're on Twitter, uh, Meetup, we have a YouTube channel. So um, yeah, just go there and just search UFO Research Queensland, it should all come up. Okay, uh, definitely. And thank you again for doing this. I really appreciate you taking your time out and uh, have a good day. Thanks. Uh, thank